Mission Control, we are go for spitballing. Three, two, one. Here we go. Welcome to the Spitballing with Econ Elite Podcast. Spending time dropping knowledge from luxury locations all around the world. It's seven-figure entrepreneurs, Todd Snidely and Chris Keith, with the inside scoop on how to really obtain freedom through e-commerce. Get ready to learn how to make money online with your hosts, Todd and Chris. So, let's get started. Hey everybody, it's Todd with another episode of Spitballing with Ecom Elite. I'm excited because, uh, what is today, Thursday on Monday, I'll be headed to California to meet up with the incredible Chris Keefe again, doing some business, making friends, hopefully eating good food. <laughs> we'll also be graced with the presence of Mr. Manny Coates, which is always fun. I'm looking forward to spending some more time with Chris and Manny and, uh, and actually Guy also down in uh, Mexico next month, which is going to be here before we know it. But for today, I wanted to take a little time and uh, continue the story that I started a couple of podcasts ago, the continuation of that story anyway, and uh, talk a little bit more about what happened with myself and AT&T. To just do a real brief recap, I mean, you can go back to the podcast and listen to the, the whole shebang over again. But basically what had happened was AT&T had failed to uh, meet their contractual obligations and it resulted, pretty much resulted in the loss of, of my company or my ability to uh, conduct business anyway in the, you know, the way I had been uh, with informational uh, 900 numbers and the marketing of products through 900 numbers. And I decided to just kind of let it go and uh, it coincided with the birth of my first daughter so I was all caught up with that which was wonderful. And we also then bought the uh, video store. So I, I reflected back, and I, I don't know if I said this, but if I didn't, that video store was the most fun I ever had in a business. And it was going strong. Yeah, the, I was having fun marketing and doing promotions and driving traffic into my store, meeting the people, watching movies. <laughs> Not having to pay for videos anymore, even though, you know, that's only, that was very illusionary of me. Because <laughs> I was, in some ways, probably paying more than I was before. But I digress. So, one day, um, I was driving back home after work, working at the store. And I realized, you know, that the deposit, I'd made a very large deposit with AT&T to guarantee the payment of the long distance charges for you know the you know almost 4900 numbers that I was asking them to set up for me you know I realized you know what I never got that money back and even though um, I felt they owed me like a ton more you know I still I I, I let it go I I just kind of thought, you know, to get a lawyer and to sue them and, you know, years and years and yada, yada, yada. And they're AT&T. They're this huge company. You know, I figured, you know, I'm just going to 
just going to walk away and, and that'll be that. But you know what? There was something that kept eating at me about that decision. Something that told me it wasn't the right decision. At the, and, and at a minimum, them keeping my deposit wasn't the right thing for them to do. They never even offered it back. So I made the decision that I was going to go ahead and I was going to file suit against AT&T. However, I wasn't going to use a lawyer. I decided to do it the old-fashioned way, you know, by myself. <laughs> so I went uh, and researched lawsuits that had been filed against AT&T. And uh, that was really just to get some structure of the documents and some understanding of, of what I would have to put into such a complaint. And, and I, you know, cobbled one together and then I just kind of enumerated all of the claims that I felt I had against them, you know, from bre mostly breach of contract, un unjust enrichment, and, uh, and some other things. And I went up to the uh, federal court in Denver and, and got it filed. And to this day, if, if you're ever in Denver, swing by the federal court building, go up there to the file room and, you know, look up, look m up my name and you'll find the case, Tajay Snively versus AT&T. And what you'll see, well, I won't get, I won't quite go that far yet. I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> Let me say this. I filed that suit, okay? And they had 21 days to answer the complaint, in which they did. A very large law firm out of Denver. And at one point, a pretrial was scheduled. And so I get a phone call a couple of days uh, before the pretrial. And it was three, there were three AT&T attorneys on the phone. I actually think they had firms in different states. They might have had one in uh, where they were headquartered and then one there in Colorado. Because there were three different attorneys on this phone from, I think, three different firms, all representing AT&T. And the tone of the call was, you know, who do you think you are? Um, you know, you don't have any kind of a case. You know, we're going to, you know tie this thing up for years and you're going to have to pay our attorney fees and you should just drop this. When I got done laughing, I told him, explained to him, I have no reason to drop this. I have, I have a very valid cause of action and I will vigorously see it through to the end, even though in the back of my mind I was wondering how I was going to do that because I didn't know anything <laughs> about this kind of thing. I had, you know, collected a lot of judgments in my time and I'd done a lot of post-judgment collection activity from all the collection from my collection agency and a credit bureau that I talked about even more podcasts ago so, but I didn't I've never had any trial experience by any stretch of the imagination right so I really didn't know what was going to happen um, but I just kind of held firm uh, the pre-trial came and went it just basically set some dates for discovery so I pounded them with some written interrogatories and requests for admission and a subpoena for documents and production of documents. And I scheduled one deposition. And the deposition that I scheduled was for the CEO of AT&T. Uh, what was his name? Robert. Uh, boy, I just his name's escaping me right now. But in any event, he was the CEO. Robert Smith, was it? Anyway, 
So I scheduled this deposition and three days before the, the deposition was set to be held in the Denver court, I get another phone call from AT&T attorneys. And they were even more upset than they were the first time. And, and you know, I could smell the indignation right through the phone. Who do you think you are? There is no way the CEO of AT&T is going to show up for a deposition just because you want it. How in the world it, could he possibly be connected or have any knowledge about this cause of action? And I, I said to the, uh, this attorney and the others listening, well, you should probably ask him <laughs> because uh, we actually have correspondence between us concerning uh, this cause of action. And they go, no, you don't. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I do. And uh, I asked them, uh, I said, are you guys by a fax machine? And they go, yep. And I said, all right. And I ran it through the fax machine. I could hear it coming across, you know, on their end. And they read the first letter. You know, Robert Allen, that was his name. I'm sorry, the CEO was Robert Allen. So they read the letter and they said, well, you know, this sounds like it's pretty much the extent of his knowledge. So what's the point of bringing in Mr. Allen for a deposition. And I, and I said, well, because if, if you read the letter, he appointed somebody with executive authority to do the investigation. I said, don't you think they might have talked about it? Or do you think he just gives away his executive authority and then forgets about it? I said, oh, I've got another letter, by the way. Oh, I remember. He, they asked me, they said... You know, this is pretty inconvenient for Mr. Allen just to drop everything and show up for this nonsensical deposition. You know, we're authorized, you know, to settle this amount, and we suggest you just take this. And the settlement was for $25,000. Uh, matter of fact, no, I think the first settlement offer was $10,000. You know, I laughed a little more. Oh, by the way, <laughs> then they asked me and said, well, what will you settle for? And I said, $2.5 That's my number. And they said to me, you just can't pull a number out of thin air. You have to be able to justify it. I said, I can justify it. You know, you guys ruined my business. You didn't do what you were supposed to do. And they said, well, that hasn't been proven yet. And I said, oh, that leads me. Are you still by your fax machine? Because that leads me to this, this next document I'd like to send you. And I sent them the document from the guy that Robert Allen appointed with the executive authority you know, to investigate and resolve my issue. And it was the letter that basically said, oh my gosh, we have dropped the ball at every turn. We, we have totally screwed this up for you. We've let you down. We've failed. You know, we didn't do what we were supposed to. And just on and on and on. I mean, you could not have asked for a better letter uh, admitting guilt. <laughs> you know, I mean, it just was dripping with... Oh, we, we did such a lousy job, and oh my gosh. And so um, I faxed that to them, and I could hear it come across the machine. And they're like, we'll call you back, and click. <laughs> they saw that, and they just hung up the phone, right? Now, my deposition's three days away. The night before the deposition, I'm not joking, six attorneys called me. I mean, they're all on a conference call, six of them. And uh, they said, you know, um, we've talked to, you know, we talked to AT&T about this. 
and they really would just like to settle this because it's going to be expensive to litigate and Mr. Allen's really busy and what's your real number? I said 2.5 million. <laughs> I said it wasn't any any less real today than it was the last time you hung up on me when we were talking about it. And you know and they just went through the typical nonsense, no really, you know, what what are you really after here and this and that. And, and I, I said, you buy the fax machine? And I faxed them the financial breakdown of how I came to, to the $2.5 And there really wasn't a lot of fluff in there. I mean, we were doing millions of minutes a month on our own traffic, much less what our, our members, our customers were doing. I said, and it's all because of you guys that I, I don't have this anymore. And so they're like, we'll call you back. All right, so the an hour later, this time there was only three attorneys again on the phone, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say this: we settled, and the reason that's all I can say is because I signed a confidentiality agreement on the amount. Right? Anybody can go to the court, pull my file, Snively versus AT and T, U.S. District Federal Court in Denver. And see, the last document is a settlement, but it doesn't disclose the amount, and I can't say the amount. Let me tell you this. I was very happy <laughs> with the settlement, all right? Now, let me tell you, let me back up just a second and tell you something that happened in the middle of all of that. In the middle of it, this is even before there were any settlement discussions. You know, I, I had, uh, we were in the middle of discovery. We were in the middle of discovery, and my wife came to me. And she said, um, you know, my dad is, is, is terminally ill. You know, he has cancer. And I would really like it if we could move back to Michigan, you know, so I can spend, you know, whatever amount of time he has left. And then, you know, once he's passed, we can come back to Colorado if we still want to. And, you know, my wife had never really asked for much. And even though that was, you know, I mean... You could you could call it a a big ask or whatever, but I mean it, I didn't have to think for about half a second, and I said sure, whatever, whatever you want. So, um, so here I am in the middle of this lawsuit. I have I have a business that I I love that I'm just having a ton of fun with, and all of a sudden I'm moving out of state. So the the thought went through my mind. Okay, what am what am I going to do about this lawsuit? And I almost just, almost just dismissed it, you know, because I didn't want the hassle. I knew I'd be back in Michigan. I'd be flying back to Colorado for every little thing, and I just didn't want to do that. So I was, I was just going to flat out dismiss it. That was when, right when the settlement uh, uh, talks and all of that heated up, if you will, the filing of my deposition kind of lit the match under them to, to get things taken care of. And so before I had to leave for Michigan, that case settled, one I was almost going to walk away from. And I think about that a lot. I, I, I mean, to the extent of, you know, file that under, you know, what I learned from that. Well, number one, <laughs> number one um, I don't like suing people. It's not necessarily in my nature, especially now. You know, to to want to resolve every issue with a lawsuit, but sometimes people are going to take advantage of you, and I don't care what your beliefs are, 
I don't believe that I just fundamentally don't believe that you should let people take advantage of you so there's that I mean I I know we can debate that all all day long especially from a theological perspective should people sue each other but the end result was things got made right especially in that case maybe not a hundred percent right but I was I was happy I don't know if they were happy I don't care if they were happy they were the ones that did the wrong <laughs> so you know I kind of you know learned that I'm just not going to let people take advantage of me, number number one. Number two, you know, when you get in over your head, which I was starting to feel, there's nothing wrong with getting, you know, professionals involved. Later on in, in, in my life, which will be coming up here pretty soon, I got in a ton of trouble because I didn't get professionals. In, well, I got professionals involved, but I didn't necessarily listen to what they had to say, which was a whole nother lesson, but I haven't learned that one yet, so I'm not going to talk too much about about that one um, and and you know and I also learned that there's some things just more important than money you know as soon as my wife said her dad was you know terminally ill you know that was that let's just okay fine let's do what we got to go do what we got to do and forget everything else right so it was quite an experience I'm going to uh, gonna go ahead and sign off for right now uh, but when I pick this thread back up I'll tell you what happened once I got to Michigan uh, with respect to my video store and uh, and other things thanks so much for listening thanks again for all the comments and the support uh, I really enjoyed doing this uh, hopefully Chris and I will be able to do some more podcasts together maybe one when we're in California uh, next week thanks again and talk to you soon bye now <laughs>